This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Natalie has a proven track record to get your home sold faster and for more money. She is consistently focused on her clients' needs and wants throughout the entire process and make sure that they are well taken care of. If you're looking to buy or sell, reach out to Natalie today. On average, Natalie sells a home every 3.74 days. That's at least two a week. And last year, Natalie earned her clients on average over $4,000 above list price on their homes. And you don't have to take our word for it. Here's some of the great reviews Natalie has received. I was overwhelmingly impressed with Natalie and all the Hatch team. She was very responsive and responded to all of the emails within an hour. She gave great advice and encouragement from the listing and pictures, the offer, and all the closing details. The marketing team knew exactly how to promote my property, and I was pleased by how soon and easily my property received an offer. I was actually dreading selling my condo, and Natalie did such an awesome job that I felt like I really didn't need to do anything. The thing I most appreciated was that she really listened to what I wanted to do and respected my my decisions. I would definitely recommend Natalie and all the Hatch Realty team. They made this process so wonderful. That was from Diane. So listen, if you're in the mood to buy or sell a home, give Natalie a call right now. You can reach her at 701-388-9338. Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E at HatchRealtyFM.com. Or you can go to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's Live. FargoMoorhead.com and find out some information. Huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring JJ Meets World. Hello, podcast listeners. Today's episode features Phaedra Yunker as our guest. Phaedra is a uh, plant enthusiast. Uh, she's got a green thumb. Uh, she is a theater enthusiast. She's also a forgotten television show enthusiast, and she likes her sci-fi hard. Plus, Tucker and I get into a disagreement about what the content of this episode actually entails. All of that and more on today's episode of JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. JJ Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always snipping out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. JJ has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called JJ Meets World. My favorite kind of a buffet, if pressed, is a Chinese buffet followed up by a brunch breakfast buffet where I'm taking more breakfast items than lunch items. And then third on the list would be a KFC, as I like to call it, Kentucky buffet. Uh, The downside of each of these buffets is I don't know when to say when. I'm a man who likes to consume. And when they say all you can eat at a buffet, I take it as a personal challenge. Mm -hmm. Do you like buffets? I do. My top number one would be Indian food buffet. Mm, mm-hmm. My number two, which I like saying number two, would be pizza. My third favorite is Chinese food. <laughs> and uh, uh, But ultimately, it really comes down to, you know, if I like the food. Like, I've never been to a good taco buffet, unfortunately. Mm. Because when I make homemade tacos, you're, that's effectively a taco buffet. And that's good. Mm-hmm. But I've never been to a restaurant that... That buffets out the tacos. Even the Wano's one? That's right. I forgot about that. Well, we don't have it anymore. I know. So we don't get to 
you know what's great is they fought like the end of the buffet was chocolate or carrot cake yep. which was just a small slice of heaven yeah but even that one it was it was good but not always perfect like there were definite improvements they could have made to that buffet yeah. maybe they'd still be in business had they done that <laughs> uh I've been to some bad buffets in my life where I just go like, oh, yeah, come on. And usually those are in truck stops. Now, I'm not saying that trucks, all truck stops have bad buffets. I'm just saying most. No, because I think like I think that there are some good truck stop. Buffets. Have you seen one? Have you been to one? Hold on. Let me think about it. Truck stops I've been to on a frequent basis. <laughs> By the way, you know why that's not a real Kentucky buffet? Why? No grits. Oh, I still call it the Kentucky buffet. I get why you call yeah. it that, because KFC. But it should have grits. It, yeah, it? if it's going to be Southern food, it's going to be, it's, you got to have grits. That's your only thing? like That is the thing that makes it not a Kentucky buffet. Just the grits. That, that it does not have grits. Interesting. Because yeah. I would say, like, it's also in the mac, the, how they do their mac and cheese. Uh, right. How they do their collard greens. Remember, they are no longer Kentucky Fried Chicken. They are KFC. They are KFC. They're like, We've heard enough from the people of Kentucky. We don't want to keep pissing them off. Um, speaking of Kentucky, where according to what I know about people from the South, people marry their cousins. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I'm sure that's so you true. Have, so you have a wedding where two cousins get married and it's got grits? Pretty much all, I'm pretty sure all Southerners, my family included, did nothing but marry each other see i always i always find to be like you know i don't appreciate it when people have the like well in fargo you guys wear ride your horses work (laughs) and so like i don't want to perpetuate that i will tell you this our guest today we discover a kinship between phaedra yunker and myself not during the podcast though that it happened was, no that was during the podcast wasn't no, it? That, no that was after that was after Remember, we don't even talk about it because i said why did we not say this during oh, the podcast it turns out that our <laughs> the, our guest today and i are related uh we did not know that yeah we just started mentioning it it's a good thing that we got that out there in the open before you know i don't know like uh started we, making out or something well i was gonna suggest like <laughs> before we got into business together like saying like why don't you become the permanent ho- co-host of jj meets world and then we find out that there's nepotism involved because <laughs> we're related uh um, today i found out we're hiring a co-host <laughs> yeah well, you know i always like to keep my options open so uh sit back and relax folks this episode of jj meets world is going to be interesting to those of you who enjoy forgotten television shows or enjoy gardening. The gardening talk is on point. In deep. I mean, in in, if anything, we should have had her on at the same time as Maz, because yeah. those two could have had some very deep uh, plant talk, and we'll probably have to arrange that at some point. Back, forth, up, down, left, right, green, chlorophyll, more like borophyll. What kind of uh, tree do you think would be his favorite? Maz? Yeah. Mm, an Irish sheepdog tree. <laughs> is that a tree? I don't sure. know. A pachine um, tree. A bangers and mash tree. <laughs> uh, so I want you guys to enjoy this episode with Phaedra Yunker. She previously appeared in a show with Tucker that we don't even talk about called Kuwait yeah. at Theater B. She's done a lot of Theater B stuff. She's been really active in the theater community in town. And then she's also known for the quality of her backyard, like how how nicely she keeps all the plants and everything. She's got a real green thumb or two green thumbs. Which we even talk about the origin of the term green thumb. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of JJ Meets World. 
And while you're enjoying it, swing on over to Patreon and make a donation. Patreon.com slash JJ Meets World. JJ Meets World. Phaedra, are you brand specific when it comes to lip balms? I am actually super brand specific when it comes to lip balms. Uh, So I have... um, terrible allergies to lots of things that are in like Burt's Bees. Mm. So people don't realize this, but it has lanolin in it, which is like a wool oil. So if you're allergic to wool and you're using Burt's Bees over and over again, you're just rubbing wool oil on your lips and they get progressively chappier. Interesting. (laughs) So brand specific Vaseline. That's what I like. Just straight up Vaseline. That's the best, at least Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Petroleum jelly. Petroleum jelly. And so do you get like the little tiny ones or do you I walk get, around with like a full size in your purse? I usually get a little tiny one and then I refill it with, I have a vat of Vaseline. Mm. So refill it with the vat. I've recently tried several brands uh, because I always call it chapstick, mm-hmm. but it's not because yep. chapstick is a brand. Yep. Uh, I tried Blistex. Uh, I tried uh, Carmex. I did not like Carmex. And I'll tell you why I wouldn't like Vaseline either. I gotta get my finger dirty yeah. to use it. Yep. I don't care for that. You prefer a stick form. I do. I like being it's able nice to do and that. neat. Does Vaseline make a stick form? I don't think so. They should. They should make a stick form. But I then think... they'd have to add like uh, surfactants or something to get it to stay in mm. the stick form. Mm-hmm. So with people with sensitive skin, surfactants are the enemy. Maybe they could just sell us a like a like a syringe. Yeah. But it's got like a little tip at the end, so you're pushing it yeah, out well, like that. Yeah, well, they make like girl chapsticks that are, or lip balms or lip glosses that are like squeezy with like a little paintbrush mm. on the end or a little mm-hmm. like foam tip. So that would work. Yeah, I've Get those on got it, a lot of sparkles Vaseline in them. brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us who you are as a person now that we know about your, your, uh, your, 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 road. your <laughs> you go down that road with Phaedra, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a... It's open-ended. Pretty general That's question. About as open-ended as you can get. I like this question because you are going to decide what information that you want to give to us and the listeners. So I know information about you already. Yeah. But I'm curious to know what you think is important to tell people. Like, for instance, if you ask me that question, be like, I brought two different receptacles for drinking today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did. I always <laughs> coffee and water. Um, I suppose the I think probably the number one that I thing that I tell people is that I'm a native North Dakotan. I grew up a uh, Missouri River Valley, which is completely different than the Red River Valley. People kind of rag on this side of the state because it is so flat. Um, but the central part of this state is just rolling hills, really beautiful. Um, we have a family farm right on the river, and it's one of my most favorite places. Um, so then, yeah, transplant to Fargo. Um, I like theater. Obviously, I like gardening. That's what I do for my profession. Um, I'm a book nerd. I love sci-fi. Mm. Huge sci-fi fan. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the last sci-fi book that you remember really being like, yeah? Um, the Expanse series. Um, it's actually, it's James S.A. Corey, which oddly enough is two men. And I don't know their actual names, but their pen name is James S.A. Corey. And they happen to be George R. R. Martin, who wrote Song of Ice and Fire, so Game of Thrones series. They happen to be his assistants. So, yeah. And Sci-Fi Channel tried to turn the Expanse series into a show, and I know a lot of people were big fans of it, but I really wasn't. Um, Was that the one where they were really getting a lot of the science right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I've heard of it, yeah. And that's what's great about the books. And so Leviathan Wakes, I think I picked that up in like 
2014 or something and now they're on book seven and it's just this epic space opera I mean just so good the science is so good and that's probably the last one that I mean the books are a good like three inches thick and you can get through them in a week because that's how good they are you can't put them down I'm trying to slog through something by Kim Stanley Robinson right now that's supposed to be good and it is good but it's just kind of a slow read it's called Red Moon so that's what I'm in the middle of right now when you talk about Expanse being turned into like programming, mm -hmm. I devoured Ready Player One yeah. when I first read it. Yeah. And I was like, the movie, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And I was like, meh. Yeah. yeah. And that's that tends to happen with me too. Um, Ready Player One, I haven't read the book. I am intrigued to read the book now after seeing the movie. The other one that I was just super disappointed in was Ender's Game. Oh, I love yeah. that book. I love that book. And then the movie, I'm like, ugh. he's supposed to be, Ender Wigan is supposed to be like six years old when the book starts. And so the, and the, obviously they had to cast an older kid. Um, I can't think of the kid's name, but I think he was like 14, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can't really like, I don't know, cast a bunch of six, seven-year-old kids and then beat the shit out of them the kid, <laughs> on camera. <laughs> the kid from Ender's Game has gone on to make a bunch of other very forgettable movies like, why do we keep putting this kid into movies? The last one was like the kid who was born on Mars. Like his mom was oh, pregnant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's born on Mars. I didn't see that. I didn't Gary see Alton that. Gary Oldman was like, his, his heart can't take the gravity on Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, like a sappy, like teenage, angsty, mm -hmm. YA kind of a thing. I went to a movie yesterday that's aimed at children. Okay, so it's the kid who would be king. king. Yeah, I was intrigued but by the preview for that. So was my wife. So much so that she was like, opening day, we gotta go. And I was just like, I just want to stop seeing this preview before everything. So we go to that movie, and there are three trailers in a row that specifically prey on your emotions. So much so that everyone in the theater is crying. Number one. They made a sequel to the movie A Dog's Purpose. Oh god. Where the whole point of the movie is the dog dies like nine, nine times, times yeah. to only get it's back to Dennis Quaid. As other dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, <laughs> he starts off as being Dennis Quaid's new dog, and Dennis Quaid like knows that the soul of his dog is going yeah. into other dogs. Yeah. And <laughs> their granddaughter is taken away. So he's like, Take care of my granddaughter. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. And it also shows the ending because it shows her going onto the porch to like reconnect with her grandparents. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Bailey, is that you <laughs> in my this new dog's body? Uh, well, and was that the one where the first one there was a bunch of The PETA complaints? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was some sort of kerfuffle Mis about yeah, the yeah, mistreatment yeah, of the dog. Mistreatment which of I dog. think ended up being debunked. I think so too. After that. But it you know, the whoever had that footage waited until what, like four days before the movie came out? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, and then so, and then the next movie was uh, about two kids who have cystic fibrosis. And if you have cystic fibrosis, you can't get within six feet of somebody else who has cystic fibrosis because they're particular. Or? Yeah. yeah. Like, you can actually make the other person, like, less healthy with what you have or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like... The nurse can go and touch both of them, but they can't touch each other. And, of course, these two young kids who have CF fall in love in the hospital. And they're like, we're going to close it from six feet to five feet. And that's going to be the thing. Yeah. Then the third preview is this one with that lady from This Is Us where her son falls. Through, like the beginning of the trailers. That's right. Like our, like our town's small. Everybody knows everyone. They're like, hi, Miss Jenkins. She's like, hi, girls. How y'all doing? <laughs> and then her son's like this basketball star in middle school. And like, and our pastor at our church played by Topher Grace. 
And then <laughs> uh, it, it sets this weird tone, and then Tyler Labine walks onto a porch, goes, get off the ice, and her son falls through the ice, is under the ice for 45 minutes, and they pull him out. And so it's all about how God saved yeah, their son. Yeah, I was going to say, that son. seems probably like a Christian, yep. you know. And so, like, yeah. the end is her standing on the roof of the hospital, and she's crying. She's like, I surrender, God, I surrender. <laughs> and but it does play on your emotions because you're watching this kid fight for his life in yeah. a coma. And you don't need need to, need to see the movie now. No, you can just you don't. All <laughs> three of them they yeah. give away the plot yeah. of every single one. Yeah, through God's love, her child survives, and then this kid with cancer in the next room, he's just messed. He's just like, the he's, like he's just dead. He's gonna die Fucked. now. Yeah. It's like why? Why are we Lutheran? <laughs> um, and so I'm watching all three of these things, and I. I'm thinking to myself, okay, Hollywood, I understand that you don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over again, but you are. You're just trying to get me to cry, so I'll go see these movies. Stop doing that and make a decent Ender's Game movie. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. You know, or actually, I'm surprised that didn't become a series. Like, I could see like one of the, like the the paid for cable networks, not necessarily an HBO, but yeah. like a Showtime, yep. doing a really good version of Ender's Game. Yeah, where they do kick the shit out of little kids. Yeah, you <laughs> or know? little kids kick the shit out of each other. Right. Yeah. I guess that's, a little, that's <laughs> or maybe do an animated version of it. Well, and that's I had been seen. I've seen that it's on Netflix, but um, I haven't watched it yet because I'm worried about being disappointed. Um, the Watership down mm. adaptation yeah. Yeah. that book is dark as fuck and the old cartoon is pretty awesome yeah and that's i think that was drawn by the same people that did the um rankin the, and bass mm-hmm. it was the i think it was like it wasn't he, the guys that did the hobbit yeah exactly yep. Yep. and so that um and i remember vaguely recollect watching that um but watership down i think i probably read that book like in third grade you know and then i go to my dad and i'm like Rabbit's it's raw. Yeah, I remember thinking that The Secret of Nim was the darkest movie I had ever seen. Dark. And then I read the book, yep. and I was like, "Oh snap! They didn't even get halfway." Yep. What about the never-ending story when his horse dies? Uh, Artax. My my cousin, when my sister and I were little, my older cousin Ben goes, "Guys, want to watch a movie?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes. Goes like horses, and we went, yeah. <laughs> and he put in the never-ending story. Have you watched that again as an adult? No, it's really boring. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I it kinda, takes forever. Yeah, it's not. It's like I. It's one of those movies that I kind of wish I would have left back mm-hmm. then. I mean, I have a copy of it, and I was hoping that there would be like some special feature. I'm totally like a director's commentary nerd. Like I love director's commentaries, so I was hoping there would be some special features, and there really isn't on the DVD that I have, but. Um, What's the name of the wolf thing that's chasing? Well, it's the nothing. No, it's the the Morlock. The Morlock. The Morlock. Yeah. This is all that's left of Fantasia. That kid and that kid couldn't just scream out the name like Helen or anything. Like it's so frustrating. This is the thing. This is the kicker. Do you know what his mom's name is? You know how he has to shout his like name the princess the best name he can ever think of, and it's his mother's name. Do you know what? Don't tell me it's Martha. No. Do you know what it is? What? Moon Child. Moonchild. His mom's that, name is Moonchild. Isn't that the worst thing mm. ever? That's legit. That you can Wikipedia that. That is the oh. name that he shouts out. And it is Moonchild. when I found that out, I was like, "Come on, come on." Let's. Oh yeah, Moonchild. So you anyway, know, we're so lucky that he picked up the Neverending Story that day and didn't like steal a Goosebumps book <laughs> instead, right? Oh, Jack Black would have been out of the job. I, you know what? It's actually making me think of is uh, what's the the Page Master? Yeah. Yeah, with, with Macaulay, Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. I always loved that movie so much that the 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 book, the pirate book, yeah, would appear in my dreams as a kid oh, as like awesome. a retur- recurring character <laughs> yeah, that I would awesome. hang out with. Our 
be attracted to ladies. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the ones that uh, that stands the stands the test of time is the labyrinth, and mm-hmm. I can remember. So we had that on VHS along with the Dark Crystal, which they're doing a Dark Crystal mm-hmm. adaptation right now. Yeah. But we brought that to Easter, I think, and I have um, pretty large extended family, and. Uh, you know, kind of the same thing. Do you want to watch a movie, cousins? Mm-hmm. And I think my youngest cousin was probably six years old. Scared the shit out of them. Like when you open up, <laughs> when she opens up the crib and the baby's gone, yeah. and then there's the creepy puppet. <laughs> like, and I mean, it really, that's scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's scary. And we still joke about it. I mean, this is almost 30 years later that we like still joke about scaring the shit out of my cousin Mary, you know, because we, you know, thinking it's going to be bones or a dead baby <laughs> in there or something. But I, that movie's awesome. I remember Love that movie. being scared of the scene in Hook. When they come and steal. Oh the yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. is. I actually just watched that recently. And then that, that woman's great. like, the children, were the screaming. children were screaming. <laughs> the children were. Hook, hook, hook is back. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> have to fight. I've lost my models. Have to yeah. fly. Have to crow. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. Hook is back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember that vividly, and I remember uh, Julia Roberts and yeah. being like, Bob "I feel Hoskins. funny." Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, funny. that I okay. So I'm gonna say something and probably make some people mad, but I really don't prefer Julia Roberts as an actress. I really in don't. anything or pretty just pretty much like, anything. Well, I, really? I, I thought you were going to say Bob Hoskins, and I was oh, about to kick no, you out. No, I room. love Bob Hoskins. Good, 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 good. <laughs> love what about Bob me? Hoskins. What about me? Me is me. So not even mis- not Mystic Pizza. Uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen what that. What about Steel Magnolias? I like that movie a lot, Pretty but woman. I can't get over her face when Eat, they pray, feed love. her the, the I've juice. I've never seen that. The ju- when you like, yeah. drink your juice, yeah. Shelby, drink yeah. your juice. Yeah. yeah, but I do love that movie. But I mean, you can't. I mean, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, Thirteen. I don't honestly. It's really mm-hmm. funny. I haven't she's seen most of those. Oh, she's not thirteen. She is not in thirteen. I have not seen thirteen. I just assumed she was in Ocean's Twelve. She not only plays her character Tess, but she also plays herself, Julia Roberts. See, and that's my issue with her is she's always Julia Roberts and everything mm. that she's in. Whereas, like Kate Blanchett disappears. Tilda Swinton mm. disappears. Julia Roberts is always Julia Roberts, See, just in a different costume. She doesn't I have think... the androgyny factor those two though, do, though, That's funny that you mentioned. Well, it's probably why I like those two ladies. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like a really good Julia Roberts role where she disappears, and I... Mary Riley... I don't think I've seen Kate. that one. There's something she came out with more recently, some sort of thriller that I haven't seen, and so maybe she's good in that, but I just... I, is I don't... that a Netflix original? Home, no, no, no. Are you there's about one. Homecoming? There's, yeah, Homecoming. That's okay. that. I haven't seen that. That's but, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think that's Amazon Prime. But yeah, you know. So as Tinkerbell, I just thought she was very awkwardly cast, like this, you know, six foot tall woman as Tinkerbell. Think about, for ninety nine point nine percent of her time on screen, she's not with anybody else. Yeah, like it's all done after afterwards, and so it's just her and like Steven Spielberg, and he's like, no, 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 more. More tinking, be more tink. <laughs> Except be when she tink. gets the lip lock with Robin Williams. Yeah, in, that's is, that's the point yeah, zero one yeah. percent of the movie where she's big and she's like, oh, oh, I wish I was big. <laughs> oh, also, let's talk about this. The other, the only other trailer that was involved in the kid who wanted to be king. Yeah, I keep calling it the kid in King Arthur's court. You guys remember that movie? Yep. I do remember yep. that movie uh, with Thomas Ian Nichols before he's in American Pie. Um, so the other movie was this movie where Regina King is a super bitch and she's a she's like I am the head of this business and her assistant gets treated like crap the whole time and then one night her assistant's like I just wish that you know you would know what it's like to you know 
to be well, treated like this. Switch places? No. Oh. <laughs> she wakes up the next day and she's a twelve year old kid. Oh. So, so it's literally the reverse of thirteen of, going on thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. Like again, just recycling plots. Just right, over recycling over. plots. Because yeah. let's face it, that was kind of a rip off of big. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So I just don't know what's going on in Hollywood. Mm. Let's talk about gardening. <laughs> okay. What so do you, you got know? a green thumb, huh? Do you have two of them? Yes, I do. I have well, two do you know where that term thumbs. comes from? No idea. Neither do I. Well, okay. So here's, this might be where it comes from mm. in my opinion. So when you, there are things that you do to plants when you're an avid gardener and one of them is called deadheading. So you have to pinch the blossom off when it's spent. Mm -hmm. Like on a marigold. Yep. So get into a little bit of plant science here. So the purpose of the flower is to produce a seed. So if you allow that flower to produce a seed, the plant will stop flowering. So in theory, what you want to do is deadhead them before they produce a seed so that your plant will keep producing flowers. So because I do that all day at my job, literally my thumbs turn green because mm. my I use my nail to pinch. And so I literally, my thumbs do turn green. So perhaps that where it, that's where Maybe. it came from. You're constantly getting filled up with chlorophyll. Yep, all the time. Uh, wh- uh, wh- how do you get into the world of... I mean, are we calling it botany? Are we going to be specific horticulture. like that? Horticulture? Yeah, botany is good. You know, horticulture is a little different. It's more about the growing of the plants. And It'd be a good name for a strip club, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Horticulture. horticulture. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's somebody no, there who's like, like well, I'm not listening anymore. I Click. like it. I like it, horticulture. Um, so I kind of fell into it. Um, my mom had flower shops growing up, which is like cut flowers are different than necessarily growing plants. We always had a big, huge garden out, the, out of the farm where my grandmother did. We had gardens in our backyard. And then when I moved down to Fargo, it was kind of like a drift. And so um, my friend was working at the nursery that I'm now employed at. And she was just like, just come. And I mean, I had done a few different things here in town. I had done some um, children's theater, blah, blah, blah. was waiting tables and just looking for something a little like additional income. And uh, I mean, eight years later, I'm still there. So that's nice. how I, but it combines. So when I went to school, I studied theater uh, performance and also design and it combines a lot of my design eye with it um so not only do I get to be around plants all day but I also get to like exercise that part of me that is looking at sculptural form and color so that's and basically I tell people like what I do my technical title is like um, custom container design mm-hmm. manager so a lot of the containers that you see downtown far mm-hmm. out here um, large scale stuff that's kind of that's what I do I've done quite a few of them so basically I get this pot of soil or fill a pot with soil and then you know the plants that I'm putting in them are maybe three to six inches tall when I'm planting it and then it goes to the client's home or business and I need to know what that plant is going to look like a month from now and so I like I said I I really I consider it almost like living sculpture interesting so I kind of fell into it and now I'm like I mean if I ever went back to school that's what I would go back to school for just to get that like title that official title of horticulturist do you ever find that people have favorite plants that yes. they just like, oh, I want you to include a lot of. Yep. Uh, I said marigolds already. I'm going to try and come up with another plant name. Petunias. Petunias. A lot of people say, I hate petunias. Do not put petunias really? in. Because petunias are one that you really have to be um, at like very, very 
you have to constantly deadhead petunias. Those are ones that you have to deadhead a lot. So a lot of times people want plants that aren't, you don't have to like tend to, you just have to make sure they're watered. So I get a lot of people that say don't use petunias. Um, it'll mostly, it'll be like colors and they'll say like, I don't like pink, you know, or I don't want any yellow. So those are, those are things. But, and then a lot of times people, I mean, it's so funny at my job, like, um, mother's day weekend is a huge weekend and people are, Cause that's the, that's when people say like, I can yep, plant, I can right? plant. And it's usually Memorial day weekend, mother's day weekend, um, are really big ones and it's crazy, JJ crazy. So like one of the things that people are just like super into is sweet potato vine. So it's just this vine. It's pretty, it's green, whatever, uh, but it's really prolific. So it gets really big and people, it's like, it's like they need it. I mean, I've watched little old ladies. There's no more left on the sh- on the shelf because we haven't been able to restock it. And little old ladies like surreptitiously walk by and yank it off of somebody else's cart. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Yes. It's like a free for all. And then people will get super, super worked up and like get mad at me that we're out of something. And a lot of times I have to explain to people like you're here on a Saturday and a Sunday, we still have, you know, 200,000 plants out at our farm, but they're not going to come in. I always tell people, if you want a quality greenhouse experience, go on a Tuesday or a Wednesday because we've had a chance to restock and it's not crazy busy you know? And so anyway, so on a Saturday or Sunday and there's, you know, a couple hundred people in the store out in the greenhouses and people just lose their shit. And I'm going, you know, this should be fun. And if you get this angry about it, maybe you shouldn't have flowers. (laughs) It's not like it's necessary, (laughs) you know? So it's, uh, yeah. Sweet potato vine, hot commodity. Uh, my wife's husband or my wife's husband, me, no, my wife's father, (laughs) Uh, loves just he it's almost like he hates being inside loves being yep. outside and so yep. he's got a greenhouse and he starts all of his plants awesome. he's got a big garden and he's got all this stuff and so he's passed that down to Jill and so I built Jill a raised garden a few years ago and she loves it and she's really really getting into all of these aspects and I didn't realize how much science goes into some of this. Yes. So she was like, I want a blueberry bush, but we've got to go Acidify get... the soil. Yeah, we've yep. got to... <laughs> and so she's like, so we got to put this in there. And which is better in a raised bed because you can control the soil, soil content and the, um, the pH of the soil. I always recommend people, um, because we are so alkaline here in the Red River Valley, that if you're going to attempt to grow blueberries, to do it in a raised bed where you have you have mixed the soil yourself so it's acidified there is a plant called a honeyberry yeah super hardy for this area right and it has a very similar flavor profile to a blueberry not exactly the same but much less um you know babysitting with it so it, it you know you could kind of plant it and forget it and a lot of that you talk about the science of things and sometimes people don't understand you know you have to have two blueberries you have to have two honeyberries you have to have two different and these are different varietals so you have to have a couple different types of an apple tree in order to get apples because you need cross-pollination so a lot of times people will come in and they'll say well i've had this you know this apple tree for seven years and it hasn't produced anything and i go well are there any other apples around? Well, yeah, I planted two. Well, did you do two of the same Friday? Well, yeah. No, like, no not how it works. <laughs> no, you got to get a honey crisp, yep. and then you got to get a pink like lady. Like a Harrison, yeah, yeah, or pink lady, yeah. yeah have you tried the new, uh, so uh, big in the apple world are the two new variants that came out from the University of Minnesota this last year? Yeah, one of them, what are, what are they? I think I Pink Lady's one of them. That's not, it, I don't think that's on the market to buy the plant itself right? yet. Yeah. I, so that's, so I was amazed by that. I went, first of all, like, the fact that there is 
ownership. Like we've got a copyright over mm-hmm. this particular yep. apple. A lot, you know, there are a lot of plants that if you look at like annual plants, you'll look at the backside of the tag and it'll say propagation is prohibited. Now, your father-in-law, if he was propagating like, let's say a coleus or a petunia um, from vegetable um, cuttings, vegetative propagation. So you're doing it from a cutting. He probably wouldn't get in trouble. But now if we did it at our greenhouse and ended up took one plant and turned it into 300 plants and we're selling it, we could get huge fines. Interesting. So they're all copyrighted. One of the things that I think people don't realize in Fargo is um, the NDSU has like um, a tree test area. Um, what would it be west of town? It's called Absaraca. And mm, mm-hmm. if you pay attention, it's open to the public. Um, but that's where they are planting. So things that came out of there this is the fall fiesta, um, maple tree, the Lewis and Clark elm. Um, and you can go out there and get a tour um, on the weekends that it's open to the public. And that's where they're testing. It's absolutely fascinating like they're planting different types of grapes looking at different soil coverings looking at their one that's planted in basic soil one that's planted in amended soil and they'll walk you through and explain everything to you and it's super fascinating what zone are we we're zone four zone four I'm amazed when people go out to Lowe's or Home Depot <laughs> Don't and get me they're <laughs> buying all of these plants. And I look at the back of the tag and I'm like, that's a zone two. That's not going to last. Zone two would last here. Oh, what? Zone, it, seven, zone seven wouldn't, wouldn't last. Yep. yep. Um, so if you're going to plant a tree, you would want to do, I even say with trees, you know, zone four in a protected area, zone, you know, but zone three or two is better, you know, the more cold hardy it is. is so it, the lower the zone, the yep, more universal yep. or the just cold hardy? Cold, cold hardy. So um, start north and that's like zero, one, two, all the way down to south. Now, there's also things like you couldn't plant uh, and let's say an elm tree that's a zone two, you couldn't plant that in a zone seven because it doesn't get cold enough for it or a zone 12 probably closer that's more equatorial so there's it goes both ways actually so some plants need that dormancy and if you don't let them go dormant they won't come back for me for you mm, interesting i definitely uh what's weed what's weed yeah like cannabis yeah um i would know some other weed well <laughs> i would assume that that's probably more like a zone 12 it's tropical equatorial I'm write that down well, you want to, but that's the thing too, is like with growing cannabis though, you have to have like such controlled environment in order to get a flower that's going to be any good. I'm right. That's so too. You, you like, well, I know people that, uh, <laughs> that's have, the whole uh, trick. have thrown, <laughs> have thrown like cannabis seeds, you know, from, from their, you know, shake or whatever, have thrown it in ditches or in, you know, isolated areas. And yeah, it's maybe smokable but it's not good you know like the good cannabis flower comes from a really controlled environment right. where they're they're pollinating things by hand it's like super fascinating i don't know a lot about the science of growing cannabis other than like what i've looked up online um i really wanted to try i was down in colorado a few years ago and i really wanted to try to get in and get like a, a grower tour but they don't let people yeah, in. Yeah, it's pretty you, locked yeah, down. Yeah, right. it's, well, a lot of it's proprietary, right? Exactly. They're like, well, we don't want someone else getting our strain of, you know, like it's not rusted like, car battery. Yeah. For it's them not like to going going to a kush. brewery where you can get yeah. a tour. And that's what I was hoping to be able to and to see. I mean, to see how the science behind it, because the science really is fascinating. Do you find a lot of people want plants but just don't know what they 
they know that they want it, but they don't know anything about it. Yes. I mean, that's, and then I have serious conversations with them about like how much work they actually want to put in. Is it a planted and forget it plant? You know, let's say uh, planted and forget it plant, Russian sage, you know, or a blueberry, not a planted and forget it plant, you know? So it just depends on how much you want to baby it. Do you want to cover it? Do you want to spend all your time outside? I mean, people will talk about how great my backyard looks. Well, literally that's all I do in the summertime, you know, like I don't even want to go on vacation. It's, easy to get somebody to watch my cat because the cat doesn't require as much care as like my garden does. You know, my kitty, she's just pet her and make sure she has water and feed her. But my plants, it's like, you know, so So if you were going to go somewhere for a week, whoever watches your house is really in for a dilly dally of a time. Yes. (laughs) Because they're out there, they're out there weeding. Well, they don't have to weed, but they just have to make sure stuff is watered. And it's Mm -hmm. like, and I've got a few people that I trust to come and check on my plants and my cat, you know, it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's a twofer. It's not Mm -hmm. just my cat or just my plants. So we ended up with, uh, with some kind of a a bug last year that just was the bane of Jill's existence. What did it look like? Uh, kind of like a potato bug. But it, it had a stripe a pota- on the yeah. back. It's called it's a uh, four striped garden beetle. That's there literally what go. it's called. Yeah, I would, they were really bad inf- infestation around here last year. And she did not. She was adamant about not using chemical pesticides. Sure. So she was. So all the time we were looking through all this stuff, and she's like, "Okay, so what she ended up doing was she ended up calling uh, the NDSU NDSU's extension, extension, extension office. Yep. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> good resource. Right on the same yep. level. Yep. And they recommended planting a couple of particular types of plants amongst these other things that give off a scent or something that the bugs don't like. <laughs> and so she tried that because it was late enough. Do you enough. remember what the plant was? I don't. I'm not familiar with that. Plants are green is all <laughs> I know. Um, and then there's another thing, too, with something about spearmint or something that kept away yeah, something. Yeah, there's, I mean, and, various, various, and I will always tell people, like, there, there are things like... <sighs> You know, it gets tough. Okay, so for example, lemongrass and citronella plants, they will deter mosquitoes, but you have to activate the oils. Like you have to literally like move them so that, you know, and in my backyard, I'll take a citronella leaf and kind of crumble it and rub it on myself so that it, you know, keeps the mosquitoes away a little bit. There are natural pesticides that work really, really well. Um, you know, for people that are doing organic gardening, there's uh, pyrethrins are actually based on like a chrysanthemum. And maybe that's that's mm. what I was wondering if maybe that's what they were telling her to plant is something in the mum family. Um, but then there's this other thing called diatomaceous earth, which is like literally little like diatoms, like little tiny sea creatures all crushed up. And you find it in like toothpaste. Like it's it's um, but basically what happens to them is they sort of, they crawl across it and it stabs into their exoskeleton and then they sort of bleed out, mm. which is really satisfying when That's you're trying cool. to treat something that is destroying your yard. You're like, yeah, fuck suffer. Die. You suffer for this. I can't, I have a hard time because people will say, well, you can pick slugs off your plants and then drop them in, you know, salty water. And I just have such a hard time with that. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, like the slug didn't do anything to you, right? Yeah. Like They're it's just, just trying their to do life. Right yeah. Do. Yeah. Um, there was some, we had friends who had raspberry bushes and last year just like bugs overtook it. And so they, yep. they they were like, oh, you got to put netting up yep. or Spotted, something. Spotted uh, drosophilia, um, which they, the problem with them is the bug itself isn't, um, it's a flying insect, but they lay their eggs. And then when you eat your raspberry, it's got little wormies in it. Um, so things that you can do are, is hang like 
hanging traps in your raspberries to catch the adults before. You can also use pyrethrin on that, but you have to get it on at the right stage, which is that's why it's hard to treat that mm. is because if you miss that window, you're effed. And honestly, it's just protein. Like, <laughs> it's kind of disturbing. But like, if you turn it into raspberry jam, you'd never know. <laughs> never know. We've got uh, we've got rhubarb plants mm-hmm. that are legacy rhubarb plants. Okay. Like one of them, my grandmother mm-hmm. started almost sixty years ago. Mm-hmm. That comes back, and it gives off some of the best tasting rhubarb I've ever had in my life. And people who Is this don't the same grandma that gave a handy to Richard Nixon. Yeah, yeah, this would be the same one. Uh, That's so funny. We don't actually know that she did, but I think she did. Well, just by you (laughs) saying that, it means that either we have to make sure that that episode we recorded where you bring that up airs before this. All that, all that, oh, these will not be the only ones that I bring it up. Oh, okay. If I say it enough, it'll become true. Yes. Okay. Go down in the annals of history. Um, listen to previous episodes of JJ Meets World. Pat Nixon so, wouldn't do it for me. Uh, and then we had some that were from our lake place. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I noticed about rhubarb is rhubarb plants are different. Like some of them produce the really thin mm-hmm. stalks, and thin some stock, of them have the really thicker stalk. Yep. Um, and I love rhubarb because it grows so fast, and it's a big, mm-hmm. green, beautiful mm-hmm. plant. And it almost takes nothing. All you got to do is pick it. And then you're good to go. And then it's like, see you later, rhubarb. Do you enjoy rhubarb? Can't stand it. Mm, interesting. <laughs> she's been biting her tongue this whole yeah, time. Yeah, she's been like, I think the plant disgusting. itself is really pretty. Um, and honestly, I'm one of those weird people that kind of like, um, I have this thing with food that like sometimes like really strong flavors, like I don't like them, but I keep going back for more. Mm. Like, like a spicy mango pickle at an Indian restaurant. I'm like, oh, it's so weird. Just another bite. Oh, it's just so strange. It's like when you have, there's a terrible smell, but you keep going back for it. And rhubarb is one of the, people yeah, like, smell this, this smells smell this. terrible. Smell this. Um, and rhubarb is one of those things where it's like, I, I would, if somebody handed me a stock of rhubarb, I probably would eat it, but it's just like, well, I'm not going to gravitate toward like the rhubarb crumble at the you know Lutheran base. That seems, that seems or super backwards to me. I know. Like I would go for the cooked pastry Versus just raw stick of rhubarb. I mean, but I will, I, but I'll eat, I would eat the rhubarb crumble too. Like I'm not okay. going to, you know, but it's just not, I haven't planted it. I, although the plant is really pretty. Is it the same family as celery? Um, nope, not in the same family as celery. It's a dock. I think it's in the dock family, which like burdock is. Um, oh, I hate uh, burdock. Yeah. Like, in fact, one time. But that plant's pretty too until it produces all the burrs. Right. <laughs> My father-in-law was like, could I get a cut of your rhubarb? Could mm-hmm. you split your rhubarb? And I'm like, sure. And so I was like, I'll just go find the shitty rhubarb that would like was behind. Rhubarb? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. And he he like he grew up for like three weeks before he's like, mm, this yeah. isn't rhubarb. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. And my understanding is you can eat burdock, but you're not going to like it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I've done a little bit of research. I think it's something where you want to dig up the root and eat that part of it. I think it's medicinal. There's mm. a lot of stuff that's around that's kind of used for medicinal purposes. I think it's funny because there's burdock and then there's Birch Burdick, who's our state attorney. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wonder if those guys ever get confused. Yeah. Now You're I'm like, just oh, envisioning was, a dick oh, covered just... in burrs. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> um, do you have a favorite tree? Uh, cottonwood. Just because oh. I'm from the central part of the state yep. and I call them grandfather cottonwoods. Like the cottonwoods are around there are as broad as this table so about five feet across just gorgeous i love the sound of cottonwood leaves um i love the smell of cottonwood leaves in the fall the foliage is really silvery and it sounds like water 
when the um, breeze blows through them. The really mature ones, the bark is like craggy, like rocks, you know, like you could climb up it. Um, I have one tattoo and it's of a cottonwood leaf. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, are you sick and tired of Lewis and Clark? Being that you're from that area, <laughs> okay, like so that area. You want to hear? Want to hear? Okay, so my parents kind of, uh, well, not even kind of. My Tell parents me your were hippies. Great grandmother gave no, so Lewis or Clark, Clark a hand job. A hand job. Um, yeah, no, handy. so what's really a uh, handy? So what's really <laughs> funny about this is, so in. Um, 2002, 2003 was the bicentennial mm-hmm. or else it was three, four. I can't remember. So my parents were um, canoe racers when they first got hitched, right? Like literally that's what they did like right after they got married is they like in their bridal gear, like did a canoe run, you know? Um, so my dad, because we have this family farm, 500 acres, um, we rent out land that gets uh, farmed and pasture land, but dad kind of wanted something to do to keep it in the family, make a little bit of money, pay the taxes on it, et cetera, et cetera. So he gets it into his head to buy these, um, they're 26 foot long birch bark replica, like Voyager canoes. They seat like 14 people. They look like Viking ships. Um, we got one of those to start with and three teepees, Chippewa teepees, 17 pole teepees, right? Okay. No, I'm serious. This is just like, I'm glad you brought up Lewis and Clark. (laughs) So we, for almost a decade, had a business where we would get dressed up in like Lewis and Clark gear and give people tours in these big fucking canoes. (laughs) And we would stay in teepees and like, you know, cook buffalo over a fire. Um, My cousins and I, we would laugh because it's like, "Mm, time to get on your period clothes. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> um, but it was called I mean and we were in uh, so would like the bus full of old people from New Rockford like hobble we were, out and they're like this is the tour we were in National Geographic magazine um, really? yeah wow. Minnesota Public Radio did a couple things on us uh, North Dakota Tourism loved us and so eventually we expanded to two of the big fucking boats and then one smaller one and the biggest one was Bird Woman and then there was the Janie and then there was the Bird Woman too Bird Woman is um, Sakakwe's name name translated to uh, I think there are two theories it's either Bird Woman or Boat Launcher anyway and Janie is the what Lewis and Clark called um, Sakakwea. Really? So that was why the little boat was the Janie. So we were Bird Woman Missouri River Adventures. And uh, so because Washburn is right by Fort Mandan where the replica I'm, is. I'm very familiar with and Washburn. Then, I have a lot of family. That, so, that's where my grandmother who gave the handy, apparently, according to Tucker, is from. She did so it in funny. Washburn? Mm-hmm. I thought it was in South <laughs> it was Fargo. It was in Fargo. It was at a chamber of commerce meeting. So you guys know Clay Jenkinson, right? Yeah. Uh, you know who he is. Okay. So he did... Uh, so just upriver from our property is where they where there's a monument where they think the fort actually was. But Clay Jenkinson, according to the journals and his theory is, is that the actual fort was much closer to like where our family farm is. So that's the story about Clay Jenkinson. JJ, you, were you Lewis or Clark? Uh, okay. So which is the one who committed suicide? Meriwether Lewis. Cows Clark. Okay. I uh, my one of my first acting jobs was buddy of mine and I were asked to play Lewis and Clark okay. at Lewis and Clark's Lewis and Clark days. Okay. My understanding was we just needed to put on the costumes and stand behind the mayor while he gave a speech. Where was this at? This is at Lewis and Clark Elementary. Okay. And so they're so I was like, like, "There's Lewis and Clark days in my hometown." I was like, "Where are you?" Oh, no, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, not yeah. that. 
And then you'll find out why in a I moment. I used to watch Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. <laughs> I really, I like that's that. That's my show connection too, yeah. to this. Discussion. I never even. That's <laughs> probably King. what that title is a playoff of. <laughs> Do you think? I don't know, but well, I kept, yeah. I mean, Lois and Clark, Lewis. I, I bet wonder you it if was. the original. I mean, like if that was part of the reason why I don't know who wrote the original Superman comic, but I wonder if that was intentional. Siegel and Shuster. No, yeah. I don't think at the time it was, but I'm not positive. Anyway, sorry, anyway, JJ. So I wasn't supposed to just stand behind the mayor. Uh, the fire department was there, and then the police department, and like four other things. And they're like, you're going to ha- have 20 kids for 10 minutes, and then they're going to keep going through the stations. Yep. And so 250 elementary school kids who had been studying Lewis and Clark for the better part of a month are <laughs> so coming through. they asking you questions they're you didn't know questions. the answers yeah. to? Yeah. And like, so for example, they're like, what were your parents' names? Mr. and Mrs. Clark. <laughs> Uh, and so I'd open up and be like, be like, how many of you walk home from school? And then they'd raise their hand and be like, imagine none of this was here. <laughs> and it was the most BS that I've ever, I, like, I, I'm trying to think those kids now would be. That's crazy. Like just graduating from college. Yep. Isn't that just nuts when you mm-hmm. think about that? Like I used to do a lot of work with uh, um, FMCT in town and like, yeah, those kids are like in their mid 20s. Like, it's just like, what? Yeah, I don't like, like, I don't like thinking about that. But yeah, my little brother is 21 and it's just like, no, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get older. That's just what no, happens. No, I'm inevitable. But I'm when my brain other people computer. get older around you, that's unfortunate. That is. And if only we could just stop time like a snow globe. If I could turn back time. Do you know what her last number one hit was, Cher? Ah, uh, No. If you could believe in life after love, yeah, I love that song. Um, <laughs> I am uh, so I'm a big fan of Cher. Okay, like from her old stuff. Like yeah. I thought Cher was Wanna just do karaoke. Sometimes, do you do love? I yeah, I love. Oh, do you have, what's your go to Cher song? Probably if I could turn. Oh really? Back. Yeah. See, I'm gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> Born in the wagon of a traveling show, my mama had to dance for the money they throw. Um, love this, that. This stuff. is why he's the host. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what other go-to karaoke do you have? My number one, number one go-to karaoke is Mr. Roboto by Styx. Oh, that's a really good, good choice. choice. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a showstopper. Do you even do like the the? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, you even know what I'm going for <laughs> on that one. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I do Janis Joplin, me and Bobby McGee, and the other one, of course, Four Non Blondes. What's up? And then anything Patsy Cline, Walking After Midnight. Love Patsy really? Cline. Really? But yeah, but. Mr. Roboto sticks because it's kind of got that operatic thing to it, and it's a sci-fi song. I open nice. up and look for television theme songs. Oh, that's annoying. Pe- Brady Bunch. That's cheers. a crowd. That's a crowd killer. Theme? I don't do the Cheers you theme because it's, it's cliche good. and overdone. Is it? If I'm gonna is do it? something, I've never heard anybody. It's just do the like I can't theme. do the Fresh Prince of Bel Air anymore either because it's overdone. Yeah, it makes sense to do the Cheers theme in a bar. Nope. All right, <laughs> nope. I'm wrong. I guess. Nope. Nope. Just sort of like. I don't like to karaoke. Why not? Don't want to. Do you know what karaoke means? Don't care. It's Japanese for empty orchestra. Don't even know that. Don't, don't want to know, know about it. Mm-hmm. I actually had an uncle who, until he passed away a couple years ago, and he was this uh, basically like a vice president guy at like an insurance company, really wealthy, buttoned mm-hmm. up. Is that what his guy, his nameplate said, vice president guy? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And uh, my uncle John, um, but his secret love was karaoke. And... Uh, he would always, whenever he'd go on work trips, he would scout out and figure out where karaoke was, wherever yeah. he was staying. Yeah. And that's what he would do. He would just go 
fucking nuts for karaoke. It's really fun to do karaoke in like small town, small town bars. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, when I was part of Northern Prairie Performing Arts out of FMCT, we would put on these like kids plays in like ridiculously small towns, like, you know, 500 people. And we would stay in the nearest town that had a hotel and we would do that. We would seek out the karaoke in the small towns. And there would be, you know, five of us that roll in, big city kids, and just dominate, you know, because we're theater assholes. So we're like, <laughs> look at me. I can sing. Karaoke Goal. hasn't been fun ever since those big city theater those kids started coming in here. In. Golly. Uh, well, she sure does have a pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if I wasn't marrying my cousin, I would definitely go after her. <laughs> You ever Ooh, done it really on a tractor? <laughs> uh, I went to... Pedro's thinking about it, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I have not. I went to Edinburgh, Scotland years ago with my yeah. sister on, yeah. a, on a trip. We did Theater like... No, 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 no. Just like, just... We went to London, and then we had a friend who was studying abroad, previous guest on the podcast, Rachel Hoffman, and then we met up with our friend Sean. Now, Sean and I used to do a two-person duet act. When we did karaoke. Okay. We did Meatloaf's Paradise yeah, by the Dashboard Light. Love that song. Mm-hmm. Love that song. And it's a great one at karaoke too because it's eight minutes long. So yep. you know you're going to dominate for a while. Revel in it. <laughs> and we did it five or six times here and we would sign up as Shawnee and the Dragon. <laughs> and so they'd be like, next up, uh, Shawnee and the Dragon. So the first night we're in Scotland, we've had a lot to drink and we go to this little tiny place called the Three Sisters. Okay. And they're doing karaoke and we're like, oh, and it's an old castle. Like it's yeah. an armament part of a castle. And so we're like, oh, we'll do that. And so we hop up there and we do our Shawnee and the Dragon thing. For the next three days, we kept getting recognized at Shawnee places. and the Dragon? That's yeah. Awesome. And I was like, well, our act is international. <laughs> this is great. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but we haven't done it since. Gotta like you it put it, you retired it after yeah, that trip. We that's did. actually that's that's mm-hmm. perfect. That's mm-hmm. like you put it to bed after that. Yeah. Uh, Sean is one of those wonderful people that after he's had a little bit to drink, you pick the song for him, and then he'll go up there and sing it. He used to do this one at Rooters where he'd sing Elton John's "I Want to Kiss the Bride," and he'd yeah. kick. He'd like I want to kick kiss the bride. Yeah, and he'd kick <laughs> his leg really high. It was always a delight to I, watch. That can backfire though when you pick like because I've done that game where it's like yeah, get enough cocktails in you and you're you know choosing songs for other people and um, that happened. You know that uh, yeah 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 song maps mm-hmm. pack of maps wait. So uh, I chose that friend for my or that song for my friend Amanda and she's going ma p.s. <laughs> ma. P.S. Because she didn't know the song at all. <laughs> and so I still just like look at her and be like, Ma P.S. I remember my, my <laughs> older stepsister's wedding and me and my stepbrother and my little sister wanting to do uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Oh, yeah. And we just would go, a wee Do you know the story of that song? No. Oh, sorry. I want to hear the story. Okay. I was done. I love that song. But that is, so I think it's a Kenyan or else might be wrong, South African. There's a documentary about it. Um, I think it was a South African gentleman, if I remember correctly. And he wrote the song and then um, recorded it. And this is back in, what would it be, like the 60s? What's the name of the mm-hmm. band that did the cover? Like the three white guys that did sure. made that song I famous. Don't know. If I could, Kings, the Kingsman? The Kings? Yes, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, so 
So somebody got a recording of this guy in South Africa doing the Lion Sleeps Tonight and then, um, you know, some big wig and then the Kingsman recorded it and made all this money and they were never, the original artist was never, ever you know, compensated for that and like ended up dying in a hovel from oh, AIDS. I mean, it's just awful. You know, Ugh. and there's there's so they're never and they go through and they try to track, you know, who lied basically at whatever point. So, again, there's a documentary about it. I so can't remember Timon the name, but Pumbaa sing it. Yeah. Right. That guy didn't get anything for at it. all at all. And his like his kids live in a hovel. too. I mean, it's just really, Ugh. really, really dark. Have you ever seen the documentary about the, the 20 years or 30 years later from Paul Simon recording the album Graceland? No. So. Paul Simon goes to South Africa to record Graceland and it's during the time of the apartheid. And so he's like, I'm going to bring, you know, I'm going to work with these amazing musicians and I'm going to show the world that, you know, like this is happening. And so he goes and he records that album. Those guys don't get paid a dime from it. Now, Paul Simon doesn't know that they're getting like completely screwed out of all this. So 30 years later, he kind of gets wind that like none of these guys ever gets paid. And so he goes back. And so they have a documentary about making the album Graceland, and then a 30-year follow-up of him going back to check out what's going on. And a lot of these guys are living in dirt huts. Yeah. And, you know, here they are on like You Can Call Me Al is one of <laughs> the most played songs of all time. And he finds out that they just didn't get any royalties, period. And some of them are pretty pissed off. And I would yeah, be I would be pissed, pissed off, off too. too. And I think that that happens a lot, mm-hmm. more than we give it credit for. And all of those amazing studio musicians mm-hmm. who are paid just for a day rate, yeah. and they, they're brought in and they end up recording one of like the most famous songs of all time, and they're like, okay, bye-bye. Well, one of um, that's what is her last name? Four Non Blondes, um, Linda Perry. Um, you know, the four non blinds, what's up? Mm-hmm. 25 years in my life mm-hmm. is still, she like basically, she, she obviously gets compensated, but if you, her, she's got all these writing credits. Like she basically wrote like all of Pink's first album, you mm. know? Yeah. It's super fascinating. And so people think that she's like a one hit wonder and it's like, no, that woman's got bank. Um, there's another really good documentary. I can't remember how I stumbled across it, but it's um, Searching for Sugar Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cecil Rodriguez, that album, that's a cold fact. That's a good album, too. But that's absolutely a fascinating documentary. I mean, what did they finally found him? Like, he was equal to the fame of, like, Simon and Garfunkel, but in South Africa. And then they finally find him, and he's, like, a janitor in Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Just so cool. Yeah. So cool. The things like that too, like songwriting credits have mm-hmm. broken up bands before. I mean, that certainly led to the Smashing Pumpkins breaking up because Corgan didn't want to share any credits with the other band members and therefore they didn't make nearly as much money as he did. Yeah. And um, that's what ended up leading towards a lot of the dissent inside the band is what Robbie Robertson got himself put down as the songwriter because he was doing a lot of the lyrics. Yeah. But the songwriting was happening as a group, and he ended up getting way more money than any of them did, and then ends up being the one that wants to quit. You know, and the, these guys are like, "Listen, this is how we make our money. You're you're able to retire right now because you yeah. you got yourself listed as that when you shouldn't have." And for the band fans like me, it's it's still a sticking point. Like, how are you still like the only one who's alive? You and Garth Hudson, asshole. <laughs> That's right, Robbie Robertson. Don't even try to come on JJ Me's podcast. No, you if, are not welcome here. If, if you want it, that's all right. We'll do no. it. Unless you, you get Garth my, Hudson to come with. You'd be my guest producer for the day. Um, I'm not turning down any guests on JJ Me's world, which is why 
Our upcoming guest is going to be a trash can. <laughs> After that, it's a grand wizard of the KKK, and then... Oh. Remember, you uh, asked about him to come in. I thought we were interviewing a wizard. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Yeah, a little different. Right. Oh. Slightly not Gandalf. Well, I got to throw out my questions that I wrote that. <laughs> well, actually, some of these are still... <laughs> um, do you believe in magic? <laughs> do I believe in magic? You know. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna I try to think of the tune of the song. Do I believe like is this a legit question? Yeah. Um, do I believe in like um yes, I guess it's probably the short answer. Mm. I believe in like some type of power that yeah. that we haven't harnessed in some way, shape, or form. So like like spells. Do you believe in spells? I feel like that's probably like, and I'm not even, I'm not one of those people, but I feel like some of that's just like people manifesting positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, she like sci fi, not fantasy. Which, yeah, which I, I actually get all people are like, well, do you like Star Trek? Or the other one that gets me is Star Wars. No, Star Wars is not sci fi. It is space fantasy. There's no fucking science in Star Wars. Don't get me started. I'm going like, to play this for like, space, you idiot. Midichlorians, like that's like, that's like getting a letter from Hogwarts. I, though I do love Harry Potter. But anyway, so, <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, so I do believe in magic. But like, I, it's spells and stuff. It's like, again, I just think that that's like manifesting, you know, like whatever. Do you like sci fi futurism or sci fi in general? Oh, because so I t- much of what is sci-fi considered is futurism as well. Yeah, space and what yeah, will I tend to gravitate toward more positive, like space sci-fi. So Isaac Asimov. Um, so you do like Star Trek? Don't you look at me and say that Star Trek isn't sci-fi? I will kick you the fuck out of this. There's room. no real science in in Star Trek. Oh my God! There no. Warp drive? That's not science. There's no science behind it. Like well, there's nobody science. explaining how it works. Like it's still just absolute. They explain how it's not working. Tricorders. No, it's the same thing. It's like there's no there's nobody talking about. Uh, no, I can't think of any of the actual sci-fi like like engines of space that are Ant- real. Antimatter true. is real. Antimatter is antimatter real. engine that they're using. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Warp drive is probably okay. the only way we could travel across the galaxy because yes. that's the only way you can go faster than okay. the speed of light is okay. if you warp the space time continuum. <sighs> But they also, but the, but sci-fi. But they don't explain any of but that. But good sci-fi isn't about explaining; it's about raising it's, questions. Yeah, it's about it's about it's about uh, exploring the human condition through uh, fantastical ways, and it's got a base in reality. Yes, right? I mean, so I guess I, what I would say is I prefer more like hard sci-fi where they're explaining. Okay. There you go. Like the theories behind things. Right. And again, I can't believe like I can't back think of the future. He, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on the whole space fantasy Star Wars thing because yeah. that is not raising any questions. That's swords, good and evil. Like, yeah, that's what that yeah. Is. I mean, it's a good story. I'm not saying yeah. it's not a good it's story, a but I don't. Yes, it's, it's a western. Yeah, it's but I don't think it's sci-fi. I mean, it's it's a western in space, which is badass. I'm not right. saying it's not good, right. but it's not sci-fi. Right. Um, but I like. Of the, I tend to gravitate more toward like positive sci-fi where, it, but then there's like some really great sci-fi out there that's like dystopic and really depressing. Like, yeah, why Paolo is the Degla, future Begla always Ducci, sad? And it's uh, the wind-up girl, and it's like post-apocalyptic. Like, you know, we've run out of everything, and like it's just bad. And it's interesting, but man, it's depressing. Did you ever read Seven Eves? No. Oh, my but I did God, read. Phaedra. What was the one that you really liked that you recommended to me? And all of a sudden, um, Necromancer. What's his name? No, Cryptonomicon. Uh, Neil Stevenson. Yeah. No. Necromancer. I'm gapping on it. Anyway, you recommended an uh, author to me, and I picked up a couple of his books. And I really I'll liked. Double them. check it, but yeah. if it was Neil Stevenson, he did Seven mm-hmm. Eves, 
and that is phenomenal. And that's an that's an author that I continually hear about on like the um, sci-fi subreddit, yeah. and I and I still haven't picked up anything yeah. of his. Neil Stevenson, I'll have yeah. to check it, it out. I bet that's who it was that we were talking about, mm, but because no. he's got a book called The Cryptonomicon. Um, which can be easy to say Necronomicon because it's nope. got the same we'll thing Google to it. it. But we'll have to figure it yeah. out. Have you ever seen the show Party Down? No. So Party Down is a great television series. It was on Showtime. Uh, no, it was on Stars. excuse me, about people living in L.A., but they all work for the same catering company. So every episode- I Totally have seen a couple episodes. Okay, yeah. So every episode takes place mm-hmm. at a place, at a, what, somewhere they're catering. Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks, one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. shows- is in it, and he plays a character who wants to, is an aspiring screenwriter, mm-hmm. but he likes hard sci-fi. I thought that was a joke term that they made up, yeah. and you just <laughs> used it on this podcast. So no. the term hard sci-fi- oh, That's an actual term. Is yeah. real, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Because it's not enough for nerds to have one genre of something. We need <laughs> to have like 20, because then there's the divisions of stuff, right? Yeah. So. People will try to classify steampunk in the yep. same genre. It's like, no, it's no, not. Yep. Then there's cyberpunk, which is not necessarily sci-fi. It's futurism for sure. And then there's hard fantasy as well, fantasy and hard fantasy. So hard fantasy, I believe, would be like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. And yeah. I think Light's, light is like Harry Potter. Or like Pierce Anthony Xanth novels right. like, that just kind of pulp yep. BS. Yeah. Yeah. So I where would the Kingdom Keepers Actually, I don't know there. what that one is. Kingdom Keepers is either. a young adult series where everything in Disney World comes to life it's at night. Lights. It would be light fantasy. Night so it's holding, yeah. yeah, it's holding, <laughs> like all, so all those villains are real. <laughs> yeah. And it's about the three kids who have to make sure that they it's keep like the, the keys of the kingdom. It's like the mix-up files of Miss Basil E. Frankenweiler. Like, yes. people forget about those books. Like, I'm just like, Newberry Award winning book? Like, you don't remember that? It's bothering me that I can't think the of who Newberry I recommend it to Newberry Awards. It's oh. Will. It's Necromancer. So, I know it is. Side note. You mean Neuromancer by William Gibson? Yes. But I never read that book. No, but you read another one by him. Neuromancer. That's what I was thinking of. By William Gibson. But there was one that was, It's. I feel like it's got um, a girl's name in it or something. I can't Hmm. remember. Okay. But he's good too. But that's dystopic. I mean, like I consider like that's that's dark too. Neuromancer. Huh. I'm not sure. I'll have to keep digging. Not finding it. JJ and I I'm are one of those people, though. Phones. Like, unless I, unless I, I, I read so many books that unless I have read them more than once, they don't store in my head. Okay. Like, it's like I have to read things more than once, and then they store in my head. Um, Kristen Wiig, I think, should play the live action Amelia Bedelia in the live action <laughs> Amelia Bedelia movie. You guys familiar with her? Isn't she yeah. a little like? Isn't Amelia Bedelia like a little girl? No, she's the like she's like the maid nanny. Oh, and she takes things literally. So they're like, all right, Amelia, you need to give the baby a mashed banana. And she's like, okay. And so she just like pounds, pounds a, banana a banana that's still in its peel yeah. and then just gives it to the baby. And so like, I mean, let's. Uh, she's functionally illiterate <laughs> is what she is basically. But, oh, oh, Amelia Bedelia. Yeah. And there's families like, so oh, we're employing this <laughs> woman. Kitty she's named watching Amelia, her offspring. And I call her Amelia Bedelia all the time, but yeah. I just don't, I didn't actually know what the background was. Yeah, I don't think I'm familiar was. with those. Like, oh yeah, she I, wears I mean, like a bonnet. I, yeah, I vaguely recollect it. But mm-hmm. Like I'm, yeah. I'm also a big. So there was a book that was out of print when I was in elementary school that my librarian let me take out. Did you return it? I did. Oh, I did. She because okay. she goes, you need to actually bring this back every day to show me that you are holding on to it. Yeah. And like, and I had to go ev- after school for the first like three days to just read it in the library until she trusted me. 
but it was about a fanciful uh, caretaker of these children named Mr. Pudgeons. Mm. <laughs> and they've now reprinted the book, so screw you, lady. I can out, <laughs> yeah, I can out buy I can a copy on Amazon Mr. Pudgeons I want. I want. <laughs> um, but that was another, that was a book I read that, you know when you read a book and it makes such an impression on you mm-hmm. that even 30 years later yep. you're still thinking about it? Yeah. Mr. Pudgeons, so he's this like <laughs> this fat old dude that the family's like, like, can you watch our children? <laughs> yeah, I'll watch our children for you. <laughs> kind of like a Winston Churchill almost. Yeah, oh but he used to have a, he didn't have a cane, he had a, an umbrella. And so he would do things like tap stuff with his umbrella while he's smoking this giant mm-hmm. cigar. And so he tapped their pipes with his umbrella. And then when they would turn on the faucets, it'd be different flavors of pop. And so they'd be like, the bathtub's filling up with root beer. It's cherry cola in the basement. <laughs> and hey, didn't we do, he's eternal like Mary Poppins is, right? I assume so. Like he's a creature from a different dimension or something. Okay. Well, I don't think he's probably from another dimension. Oh, is that I think too he's from, far-fetched? I think he's from a little too far-fetched. I think he's from, you, I think he's from yeah. imagination. <laughs> and that's why he's eternal. It's all I know is that Mary Poppins America. comes from heaven. <laughs> It's not true at she all. She always descends from the clouds. Yeah. Also, here's an unpopular opinion, for me at least. The new Mary Poppins sucked. Did I it? didn't see it. They played it so safe. I love her, but I oh, didn't no. see it. So really? that's the problem. Is like, the, the, So I thought, well, Emily Blunt will do great in yeah. this, right? Well, the trailer is great. Mm-hmm. She made Mary Poppins so unlikable. She made her a real bitch. And like Mary Poppins always kind of had like this kind of sternness yeah, to her, she's right. but there was also strict. a sweetness at the same mm-hmm. time. Right. And her, they make her like, <laughs> they make her kind of hipstery. In the way that she's like, she's like, oh, you don't know about this, <laughs> you fool. So is it judgy Mary Poppins. She is. They should, they should have gone like way against type and done like John C. Riley or something as Mary God. Poppins. I heard that that movie was terrible. The, like that Will the, Ferrell and John C. Riley. Oh, uh, uh, Sherlock. Sherlock. See, here's yeah. the thing. So I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> I Preach. I went to Sherlock or uh, Sher or was it called Holmes. Holmes and Watson? Yeah. Because five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, they're saying people are walking out of this mm-hmm. thing. So I was like, I'm going to check this out because I liked Step Brothers and I liked mm-hmm. Talladega Nights. I, they must have done something to a critics association that pissed them off because the movie is not nearly as bad as what like Entertainment Weekly and the Associated Press painted it out to be. Is this movie good? No. But it is not the worst movie of the year. Yeah. I thought like Welcome to Marwin was the worst movie of 2018, yeah, I didn't see that. and that one had all the love dripping all over from the makers of Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Zemeckis doesn't necessarily. I don't know. Like, it's, what happened it, to him? Yeah, because he lost his touch. Yeah, he, he got so all into that uh, capture stuff for a bit, the motion like, capture, the motion capture stuff that looked really yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. With I've Tom only Hanks. I've only ever walked out on one movie because I can pretty much sit throughout anything. But uh, it was Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually have a soft spot. In my no, heart and for that I movie. think now I have a soft spot for it. But at JJ the time, I was just like right drivel, drivel. You know, I was like early twenties, and I was like, you know, going to like you know indie films and just being really important about you know film and you know Wild Wild West garbage. And now I watch it. I'm Fuck like, you, giant Kenneth robot. <laughs> yeah, like giant robot spiders. That's hilarious. Uh, I've got a soft spot for Wild Wild yeah, West. Yeah, me too. As well. Like I said, but that's the only movie I've ever watched. Jim Wenders, Desperado, Desperado. Rough, Rough Rider. Rider. No, no, you don't, don't want not. None, None of this six gun and this brother running this, this funky old soldier. soldier. Look, it's like, like I, I told you. That's as far as <laughs> you'd be out of that dress when you meet Jim West. <laughs> dress, be out of that dress, dress when she meets Jim West. West. That's right. 
Um, oh, wow. Uh, why did Will smell Smith... the testosterone in here? Oh, is that testosterone that we're smelling? I mean, I farted, but that was about it. Uh, I actually quote Wild Wild West probably once a week. <laughs> when I'm doing something that I don't think I've got the wherewithal to do and I need to pump myself up, I think of Kenneth Branagh and his little tiny electric wheelchair with spider legs uh, and Will Smith is holding on and he's holding on to Kenneth Brown and they're over the edge of this cliff and he goes, you just don't have it in you, do you? Boy. And then he like lets him go over the edge of this cliff. And that's your like power statement? <laughs> and I'm like, I do have this in me. I, I have, have Jim West. Uh, I've only walked out of one movie in the theaters and it was Malibu's Most Wanted. I won tickets to it. It's got Jamie. Oh, Kennedy. Kennedy, and he is. He's like a white. He's like a white guy who pretends he's from the hood, and his dad hires Tay Diggs and Anthony Anderson to pretend to be real like gang members to kidnap him and kind of scare him straight. Hmm. It is atrocious, and I won tickets to it off the radio. And when I'm walking out of it with my group, one of our group members turned around to a, a theater full of people and goes. What are you people still doing here? <laughs> and then it got applause. I remember Spider-Man 3 and Dustin Buchanan taking his Spider-Man shirt off at the end of the mm-hmm. movie and throwing it onto the ground. And then he just left it Done there. with it. Yep. Done with he it. He just left Sweep it this up with a popcorn and the spilled Coca-Cola. Is, so, okay, so let's go back to one thing real quick. So you've got a degree uh, in theater. No. No. Didn't finish. You didn't finish. You were you were working towards a degree in theater yeah. and you love plants. Yeah. Is your dream to do Little Shop of Horrors? I love that play. Me too. I love that play. No, my dream, my dream would be to be uh Hedwig and Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh. But I I've I've done uh I've never been in Little Shop of Horrors, but I've done costumes for it, I think like twice now. So there's a line when they're uh like when they're really busy and she says, I always remember her going like, hollyhocks are hardier. Which yep. one would your wife prefer? Yep. Um, and I, I didn't saw get hollyhocks. all those references until like the last time I saw it. I was like, oh, I know oh, all nice. these plants now. <laughs> yeah. It's um, funny. Do you know how Little Shop of Horrors came to be? Have you ever heard um, that story? Yeah, there was like an original black and white film, With correct? Jack Nicholson. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Yep. So uh, a, uh, an owner of a studio and a director had a bet that this director couldn't make a movie in a weekend. And the director was like, I can make a movie in a weekend. And he goes, okay, this weekend, you got to make a movie. And so the plant store set was up from another movie. And so he and his screenwriting partner saw it on a Thursday and they wrote the script like overnight for this concept of like a killer plant that comes to life. They cobbled together this killer plant by literally like stapling other plants outside of like another piece. And they made a movie in a weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. And then that became part of like Hollywood lore. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman turned it into the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Broadway show turns into a movie. It's a revival. And then there's the animated series. There's an animated. Oh, I. Mm-hmm. Whoa, you just like triggered something in the back <laughs> of my head. Like, that's great. There's an anime. Yes, Vader's there like, is. I what? know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> YouTube spiral. Do you remember back in the day when they, there was an animated series for everything? They're like, what's a popular movie? Killer like, anime. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's these, this is going back to like movies and things. There is this image from an animated series that I have in my head, and I have tried to find what this animated series is. And I feel like it was something. Like about it was maybe called the flip side, 
or something and what I can remember and the only person that has ever said like, yeah, I can kind of recollect that is my sister. And the opening credits are like these kids running on a giant record in a jukebox. And that's all I can remember. And it was like a kind of, there was a bad guy. And, you know, I'm sure it was like some like short lived, you know, one summer cartoon mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning and, you know, really bad animation. But it's just, I can't find it. And I mean, like, I have looked and looked and looked and looked and Tucker's going to find it in two seconds. And, and I, like, I had been dying to try and find a series that I watched on uh, Nickelodeon when I was a kid. And recently, this last year, I found it. I was like, it's about a mannequin who comes to life all at night, and there's like a puppet security guard, and then there's the woman who runs the store, and then there's a mouse who yeah. talks. And oh, so yeah. I was looking at PBS. So I watched it on Nickelodeon. It was a Canadian series for children. And so the CBC sold it to like all these different entities. So you probably saw it on PBS. And that mouse was weird looking, right? right. And it was a female. Really Wasn't it a female mouse? And it had a little tiny like squeaky voice. It's called Today's Special. Oh, and yeah. Yep, totally yep. remember that one. And there's uh, there's the reason the mannequin comes to life is he's wearing a special hat that a magician had like blessed is the wrong word, but put a spell <laughs> on. And then you had to say the magic words, hocus pocus, alamogocus. Was it kid video? I don't. I don't think so. I didn't, so again, I, all I have is that image from the opening credits. Like I don't remember anything else about it. But do you believe in magic hats? No. <laughs> I mean, I believe in the power of a really good hat to finish an outfit. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's magic, then sure. Okay. Okay. Why not? Why not? Um, well, we've eaten up over an hour of your time. So let's let's follow, let's bring it on down to this. Tell me a plant that people should be putting in their garden or at their lake home that people just aren't giving enough credit to? Well, what I would say, okay, what people should be putting... Other than sweet potato vines. Yeah, well, sweet potato vines is an annual. What people should be planting in their yards at their lake homes are um, plants that are native plants or close to native plants because our pollinators are in dire straits. Like, that's mm. number one. People need to start paying attention to this. Um, and it's I keep bees. E- yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I have 30 pounds of honey and I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with all of it. Um, but that's so that's what I would say to people is like to, um, you know, plants that pollinators um, bring back the habitat, you know, because like we're kind of in concrete wastelands, even in Fargo, you know, there's not a lot of habitat. Um, something that does, I'm trying to think of like things that don't get enough credit as far as plants go. It's weird because my brain isn't in summer mode right now. My brain's in houseplant mode. That happens mm. to me because in the wintertime, my brain goes into houseplant mode. And in the summertime, it goes into summer I plant mode. I found out that for Christmas cactuses, if you want them to bloom, you need to actually put them near a window mm-hmm. and stress the plant. Yep. that's Blooming is usually like, I need to reproduce because I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> my wife had a Christmas cactus from her grandmother that we figured... The original plant that this thing came from is like 120 years old. Yeah, that's why plants are awesome. They are awesome, mm-hmm. right? And the clipping that she got is a clipping that her grandmother gave her mother, and her mother clipped from that plant to give mm-hmm. to her. So she had had this forever, and it was a beautiful plant, and it sat on top of this hutch, and she was like, it's just never bloomed. It never blooms. It never blooms. 
Well, then one year we moved that hutch because we were painting and it was by the window. And, so and I it bet stood it also there. got a little colder too, it, that's which exactly, temperature yeah. is a big thing with Christmas cactus. So like, yeah, like that near the window, mm-hmm. that cooler temperature mm-hmm. hit it. And I heard people also saying you can put it into like a closet where it's mm-hmm. dark all yep. the time. So what you, yeah, what you do is you kind of trick it into going dormant for a bit and then wake it up. So that's interesting. We have a story that we tell at my work where um, this woman brought in a Hoya and I mean- she was probably, well, long story short, the Hoya, which is a vining houseplant, came from uh, an original plant that her grandmother had smuggled five Hoya leaves in her girdle through customs at Ellis Island. Really? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, and then everybody, kind of the same thing as your um, grandmother-in-law's plant. So everybody in the family had a cutting from it, which is just oh, super cool. That's awesome. And I have plants that are older than me, like that were my grandmother's. And so people think about that and they think that houseplants are short-lived. And it's like, well, if you don't kill it, most of them are going to live to be like 30 years old, if not more, if you don't kill it. So, so. I wanted to have a Venus flytrap as a kid. Garbage. Really? Just bad? I mean, they're super cool, but they're really hard to take care of. So you basically have to have like a terrarium set aside for it and really control the environment. Why? Do you know the only place that they grow in the wild is in North Carolina? That's it. What? I know. North Carolina. That's where Venus flytrap is from. You think it's like some like, no, it's bogs in in North Carolina. Can plants sometimes be like fish where if they have room to get bigger, they'll get bigger? Or you know, like how if you take an Oscar and you put it in a 20 gallon tank, it'll get to a certain size. But then if you take it... After five years and put it in a 50-gallon tank, it can actually get bigger? They're going to – it's – no is a short answer. But but a lot of times people will come in and people will be like, I this plant has just gotten too big for my home. And I'm like, well, you can cut it up and propagate it and have some smaller plants. But at a certain point, your plant's just going to get too big for your house. If it's the kind of right – like I have a Monstera that it literally if it was sitting on the floor in here would reach the ceiling. And I'm to the point where it's like – I don't know if I have to like cut it back, but yeah, they, but you can't take a little plant and put it in a big pot and expect it to fill it up. You have to slowly work its way up to it. But yeah, I'm not, they're not like fish. No. So there's not like a Venus flytrap that could eat me. No, they're, Tui is not real. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> it's so sticky inside. I think you're thinking of kid video. Let me just read the premise of okay. kid video. Okay. The title sequence explained the plot. Kid Video and his band of the same name, played by live-action performers in the first half of the title sequence, were practicing in a storage unit <gasps> when an animated villain in Master Blaster appeared and transported them to Master, Master Blaster's Blaster. home dimension, God. a cartoon world called The Flipside. Master Blaster plans to use them as his musical slaves forever. They were rescued by a fairy named Glitter and subsequently spent each episode of the series either helping to free the denizens of the flip side from Master Blaster's rule or trying to find a way back to the real world. Thank you, Tucker. It's kid that video. Thank some, you. That is it. That's that is hard it. Yeah. sci-fi that right is there. That is amazing. That is kid video. so amazing. Yep. Oh, the, I watched the title sequence. We're sitting here. And the title sequence is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's all these kids. Like, Let's get our band together. And they're all getting into them. Oh, I'm so excited. And then Master Blaster shows up. Master Blaster. US- which is funny because I was totally obsessed with... Uh, um, Tina Turner in uh, Beyond Thunderdome too. <laughs> Master Blaster runs Barter Town. Hey, you, you know who knows a lot about Tina Turner and a lot about uh, Mad Max? Uh, the mayor of Fargo, Tim Mahoney. Really? I one time gave him a quiz on the radio, and I'm like, "Who sang?" Uh, and he was like, Tina Turner. He goes, she's great in Beyond the Thunderdome. I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, and I can't wait to see the new Mad Max Fury Road." It's like. Phew. What? <laughs> what? What? And it just shocked me. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a big Tina Turner fan. I love Mad Max." Yep. 
And so I can't imagine Tim Mahoney, Dr. Tim Mahoney, going like by himself. <laughs> Nerding out. Like Fury Road. Yeah. Be like, George Romero's done it again. <laughs> Can you imagine him having like a big Tina Turner poster like up in his room at home though? Like, in his office? His office. <laughs> I've been like, in his everybody office. Everybody start like, mailing it in. The out- it's got the <laughs> tape on the Tina outside. Tina Turner postcards. <laughs> My aunt Judy went to Tina Turner when she was at the Fargo Dome mm-hmm. and was in the front row and was just amazed because at one point Tina like lunge forward and like sweat, sweat. went yeah. all over That's her. Awesome. And my aunt Drew was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, Phaedra, uh, are you doing any shows or anything like that? Nope, not this year. No, Nothing what if people want to reach out to you and they're talking about plants? Um, they can reach me at Baker Nursery, um, South University, and my email is phaedra at bakernursery.com, P-H-A-I-D-R-A. I respond to that. Stop in and see me. I'm starting. I'll go out to the farm the third week of February. We grow about half a million annual plants. So I'll start production here. And then I won't come back to the store until like the plants come in, which will be the end of April. Fader does not use Facebook, but she does use Instagram. I do. Aluminum underscore geranium. I love Instagram. (laughs) Uh, End of podcast. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, natalie at hatchrealityfm.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to livefargomorehead.com. That's livefargomorehead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. I consider myself a strong man, but not as strong as some other men, but definitely stronger than most men. Thank you.